Happy Halloween, motherfuckers. My name is Athena, and you're listening to Vanished in the Valley. Today, on this lovely Halloween afternoon, I'm going to tell you about the horrific side effects that OBGYNs are seeing in newborn babies, what exactly is happening with them, and I'm going to play an excerpt from Dr. James Thorpe, who is an OBGYN maternal fetal medicine physician. And I'm also going to tell you a bit of the history of the United States government funding bio research, as in bioweapons research and dangerous biological organism research. But before we do all of that, I'm going to tell you guys about the Merciful Fate concert we went to last night. So me and Garrett had got these tickets maybe like a month ago, and I think I've said it before, but... Merciful Fate is a band headed by a guy from Copenhagen, Denmark, and he was an opera singer in Denmark, and he moved to the United States and decided to start a metal band that absolutely kicks ass. So we went there. It was fun. I did have to punch a fucking crowd surfer in the kidneys a couple of times. I fucking hate crowd surfers. It's like, motherfucker, come with me with your shoes flying at my face and your head. I'm going to punch you. So I did a couple times. It was interesting. There was a pit in front of us. There was a pit to the back of us. There was fucking crowd surfers all over. It was a great night. Way better than any lame-ass fucking Halloween party and dressing up. Although there was some people dressed up at the concert, and it was fucking hilarious. But that's what's up. Merciful Fate slash King Diamond. Awesome performance. The best. And as far as like the actual venue, it was at Hard Rock Live in Wheatland, and it's literally the fucking middle of nowhere. But I have to say the security there was fucking top notch. They were friendly. They weren't dicks or pushing anybody around. There were a lot of cops there, which is very strange. There was literally like four armed sheriffs and another one with a dog. So I'm not sure what exactly they were expecting to happen, but it was all good all night. No problems. I saw one drunk ass girl have to get carried out. But, you know, there's always one of those anywhere you go. So yeah, the Hard Rock Live fucking five thumbs up. I will definitely go back. There's a, a Viking metal band called Amon Armoth coming up in December. I haven't decided if I want to go to that, but we'll see. There seems to be all kind of like weird ass mix. Straight up Smokey Robinson is going to play at this place. I didn't even know that dude was still alive, but I guess he is and he's still belting out tunes for people. If you're in that area, you guys, check it the fuck out because it's a top notch venue. Perfect size, great acoustics. Uh, yeah, I was very happy with it. So go check it out. Now, before we get on to the history of biological weapons and their use against people's enemies, let's just touch on this fucking Pelosi bullshit happening. So just come on, take two seconds and just think about this. If we are to believe the media, a rainbow flag waving nudist prostitute got up at 2 a.m. Friday morning. At that point, he decided to create two random websites with hundreds of posts about QAnon and Big Brother in the dead of night. Then he decided to strip down his underwear, grab a hammer, and jog all the way to Nancy Pelosi's house. Now, please think about this part. How the fuck did he get through two layers of max-level Secret Service security designed to protect the third most powerful person in the world with nothing but a hammer and some tidy whities Finally, he shouted, where's Nancy, before smacking Paul in the head with a hammer in front of cops without being absolutely riddled with bullets. What, what's going on here? And if you listen to the dispatch report of this, 
Apparently, when Paul Pelosi was calling 911, he knew this guy's name and he called him his friend. So I don't know what the fuck that's about, but there's already multiple sources from weaponized autistic people from 4chan that have dug into this guy's history, looked into these so-called websites. It's a psyop. This is some fucking bullshit they're trying to pull because of the fucking elections, dumbass motherfucking elections. And they're going to convince everyone that this is a crazy MAGA motherfucker, probably a white supremacist too. But motherfucker is from Berkeley. He's a nudist. He's like a, what you call a hemp artist. I'm not fucking buying it. But the boys at Quantico are working overtime to switch this hippie motherfucker into a MAGA white supremacist right wing nut. Something else that really stood out to me was there are posts on this website that are dated from before the website was even created. For example, a post from August 24th is on that site, but the site wasn't even registered until September 8th. He was posting content within one hour of the attack. The 911 call was received at 2.28 a.m. on October 28th. The Wayback Machine shows as of the page archival on 10.28 at 5.39 p.m., the most recent post was only 16 hours old. This means he was posting at 1.39 a.m., less than an hour before that 911 call went through. And if you actually like look at the post, which uh, it's really hard to because all this shit has been deleted now, his posts clearly weren't meant to actually be read beyond the headlines that journalists can grab. His login page doesn't work. The subscription feature does not work. I mean, are these just lazy feds just trying to like put something at face value and hey, the mainstream media will fucking take that and nobody's going to look into it. And check this out. Most of his blog images cannot be reversed searched. He never posts any actual pics or infographs seen across the other quote-unquote right-wing forums he supposedly frequents and got radicalized from. His posts basically read like a joke caricature of right-wing conspiracy, and we all know the media will eat that shit up. Now, there are allegations that he is a child abuser. So was that how the feds were able to get to him and fucking control him? Post dates align with the earliest faked historical dates from the other blog, August 23rd. Why does he care about faking these dates to align? There is a phone number associated with David's domain registration, which is linked to a pizza business in Washington. The link is for, quote, the passion pizza a little love in every slice. There's zero Yelp reviews about this restaurant, only two Google reviews, and that's over one year. So the web ordering system does not work for this pizza spot. There's no DoorDash, no Uber Eats, no Grubhub, which is extremely strange for a pizza place. Windows at the restaurant have been covered up in both Google Street View archives, ranging over six months, despite patron reviews during this time period. So nothing is adding up on this whole fucking thing. I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know I smell some bullshit. We're now going to change the subject to the history of biological warfare. But let's just start with the definition of biological warfare so we're all on the same page. Biological warfare is also known as germ warfare. It is the use of biological toxins or infectious agents such as bacteria, viruses, insects, and fungi with the intent to kill, harm, or incapacitate humans, animals, or plants as an act of war. 
So just like a little technicality, offensive biological warfare is prohibited under the customary international humanitarian law and several international treaties. In particular, the 1972 Biological Weapons Convention, BWC, bans the development, production, acquisition, transfer, stockpiling, and use of biological weapons. Therefore, the use of biological agents in an armed conflict is a war crime. But these devious little fuckers in the military have found a way around those little pesky war crimes and treaties with international communities. The Biological Weapons Convention does permit work with biological microorganisms and toxins that could be used as an ordinance as long as they are, quote, justified by preventive, protective, and other peaceful purposes. So that is technically what allows the work on the bioweapons defense. So now that we're all on the same page about what a bioweapon is, let's just do a quick rundown of the history of people using biological weapons. The earliest documented incident of the intention to use biological weapons is recorded in the Hittite texts of 1500 through 1200 BCE, in which the victims of tularemia, which, check this out, is also known as rabbit fever. It's an infectious disease caused by a bacterium. Symptoms may include fever, skin ulcers, and enlarged lymph nodes. Occasionally, a form that results in pneumonia or throat infection may happen. But anyway, the victims of tularemia were driven into enemy lands, causing an epidemic. The Assyrians poisoned enemy wells with the fungus ergot, though with unknown results. In 1346, the bodies of Mongol warriors of the Golden Horde, who had died of plague, were thrown over the walls of the besieged Crimean city of Kaffa. Biological agents were extensively used in many parts of Africa from the 16th century AD, most of the time in the form of poisoned arrows or powder sprayed on the war front, as well as poisoning of horses and water supply of the enemy forces. This shit has just kind of gone on since the beginning of humans, because humans are kind of shitty to each other. But let's move up to some closer dates and get an idea of a modern bioweapon warfare situation going on. We are fast forwarding to 1956, in which a U.S. Army operating manual stated that explicitly that biological and chemical warfare were an integral operating portion of the U.S. military strategy, were not restricted in any way, and that Congress had given the military, quote, first strike authority on their use. In 1959, an attempt by Congress to remove this first strike authority was defeated by the White House and the biochemical weapons expenditures increased from $75 million to almost $351 million. Now check out this fucked up little fact. In over 200 cases, the U.S. tested bioweapons on their own citizens. And that's according to quote-unquote official news in the commercially controlled media. I actually covered one of these little bioweapon incidents called Operation Sea Spray, where they sprayed bacteria all over San Francisco and the Bay Area, and a few people actually ended up dying. But that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Preparations seem to overlap with terrorism preparation. And since anthrax was used in a false flag event and the pandemic, preparation as the proposed solution is preemptive development and large-scale funding of new genetically modified vaccines. So moving up to a little bit more recent history, 10 years ago, the U.S. Department of Defense, through its DARPA and BARDA, 
And DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. And BARDA is the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. So when I talk about them in the future, I'm going to use those abbreviations because fuck all that. So basically, the United Department of Defense used DARPA and BARDA programs, and it was already funding the research and development of synthetic biology as a means of, quote, biodefense with millions of dollars, you guys. This has enabled mRNA technology, which is now including vaccines, to overcome initial obstacles and reach its current stage of development. So beginning in 2012, the Pentagon contracted with several civilian pharmaceutical companies to further develop the concept of mass applicable and flexible biohazard protection mechanisms already established in basic principles. DARPA asked Pfizer to radically rethink vaccines. So check this out. 2013, Pfizer signed a $7.7 million contract with DARPA. The U.S. journal a Fierce Pharma wrote about this on December 9th, 2013. Quote, the Pentagon is contracting Pfizer to radically rethink vaccine development. Now, the U.S. Department of Defense stated this. Pfizer will conduct a research and development program aimed at developing technology platform to identify emerging pathogens directly in an infected or exposed individual, subsequently produce protective antibodies in the organisms. Then we're going to go over to the Marine Corps Times. There was an October 2013 article and it stated, quote, the pursuit of this technology was a reflection of military concerns about bioterrorism. This is a significant national vulnerability. And now we're moving on to Moderna, the DARPA-funded pharmaceutical company. They wanted to develop a therapeutic mRNA platform to protect against known and unknown infectious diseases and threats from genetically engineered biological organisms. Moderna was basically among the beneficiaries of the highest grants from the military research programs. According to the UK's Institute for Innovation and Public Projects, it shows that Moderna received $995 million from BARDA as of 2013 and $81 million from DARPA. Then in 2017, another $56 million was added. And at this point, the government has invested billions of dollars in research funding into mRNA systems. And check this out, Bill and Melinda Gates were also funding Moderna. So we got DARPA, we got Bill Gates is evil, and they're all funding Moderna. Now moving on to the global industrial infrastructure, with the help of millions of dollars, the pharmaceutical industry set out on the quote biosynthetic path from 2013 onward. And they were experimenting with virus and bacteria for their future availability in novel vaccines. At this time, the necessary infrastructure for the mass production of vaccines was designed and built in several countries, large-scale laboratories, you guys, with high-tech equipment, and the relevant personnel were trained. So think about Ukraine. You remember like when all that Ukraine bullshit kicked off and suddenly we were hearing about all these bioweapons research or bioorganism labs that were funded by the United States and somehow just fucking had a bunch of deadly pathogens? That kind of shit. But we had them all over the world. At the onset of the pandemic, the production chains were largely in place. The manufacturing of the physical vaccine or, you know, each single dose for people. That takes time. It takes money. It has to be all set up. Now, this whole project needed a pandemic to happen. 
Yeah, I'm not even fucking around. This is because it lacked the most definitive thing, real test data in humans and wanted it to be demonstrated in the first place. If there's not an epidemic situation, how are they gonna get that information? How should tens of thousands of vaccinated and unvaccinated test subjects be compared without exposed to a real risk of infection without severe symptoms in everyday life? How should the side effects in humans be known if they aren't tested on humans? This shit was tested on fucking what, eight French rats and then went straight to market? Now going back to Moderna for a second, there was a February 22nd Frontiers of Virology journal warrants a little bit of reconsideration from everyone and it got no attention from the mainstream media. Virologists used a special search program to find a genetic match among millions of sequenced viruses in a database at the spike protein of the 2009 SARS CoV-2 and the RATG13 coronavirus patented by Moderna in 2017, you guys, how is that possible? It is reported to have been used in cancer research. The authors say, according to their calculations, the match cannot be a coincidence, but the study was swept under the carpet and nobody fucking talks about it. Like nobody thinks it's strange that this exact fucking genetic sequence was registered by Moderna in 2017 when supposedly this pandemic just kicked off what, 2020? Hmm, I smell some more bullshit. Moving back to September 11th and the mysterious anthrax mailings that began a week later, which checked this out, said, take penicillin now, death to America, death to Israel, Allah is great. The desire for bio-preparedness became all-consuming. There were now emerging bio-threats from humans as well as from evolving natural world viruses. Fauci's anti-terror budget went from $53 million in 2001 to $1.7 billion in 2003. All of this shit is big business. They are people that are just trying to make money off the misery of other humans. And I've talked about this before. At this point, there's an advanced form of biological warfare that can target specific genotypes like races and may transform biological warfare from the realm of terror to politically useful tool. And these leaders, these so-called authority figures, have been planning this shit out and doing, quote, mock exercises of pandemic situations that took place just months before the coronavirus situation. Everybody's heard of Event 201 at this point and Crimson Contagion. They share a common history, the 2001 biowarfare simulation Dark Winter. Dark Winter not only predicted the 2001 anthrax attacks, but some of its participants had clear foreknowledge of those attacks. And it kind of makes you wonder, like, where did the anthrax come from? Well, during the presidency of George H.W. Bush in the early 1990s, the U.S. top biological warfare research facility at Fort Detrick, Maryland, admitted they had just fucking lost some anthrax in Ebola. He said it just disappeared from the lab. Oopsie daisy. It's like, how the fuck does that even happen? This is not a set of card keys or your cell phone, you dumb motherfuckers. This was at a time when lab workers and rival scientists had been accused of targeted sexual and ethnic harassment. And this was at a time when several disgruntled researchers had left as a result. And check this out. Right in the beginning of the whole Kabobo nightmare, they actually shut Fort Detrick down. Kind of a suspicious, hmm? You think? Now moving back to the exercise known as Dark Winter, which went down June 2001, 
It predicted many of the aspects of government pandemic response that would later reemerge in Event 201, which predicted a global pandemic caused by a novel coronavirus just months before the actual Kabobo outbreak. It's crazy because Bill Gates' evil was predicting this shit, fucking Fauci was predicting this shit, Peter Daszak, Ralph Barrick, all you motherfuckers know what's up. And I, I don't know, even if, even if these fucking scumbags aren't held accountable now, they will definitely be held accountable in the next life. You can't do this kind of damage and not have a dark, dark stain on your soul. So now that we've gotten kind of a short rundown of the history of different bio weapons throughout time, and more specifically, the United States research into bioweapons, Let's talk about the latest bioweapon unleashed on the American population, Kabobo. There was just a report released as of October 22nd from the City Committee on Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions, Minority Oversight Staff. And the title is called An Analysis of the Origins of COVID-19 Pandemic. Now, it's several pages long. I'm not going to fucking read you the whole thing. I'll just read you the juicy bits. The report basically kind of says like, there does not appear to have been any subsequent spillover of the virus that generated sustained transmission in humans from animals or any other independent spillovers of SARS-CoV-2. Now, they kind of give the assessment, and this part says, basis for assessment that research-related incident is more likely origins of SARS-CoV-2. Nearly two years after the COVID-19 pandemic began, substantial evidence demonstrating that the COVID-19 pandemic was the result of research-related incident has emerged. That's kind of crazy, because I remember being called a fucking conspiracy theorist when we were saying this two years ago, motherfuckers. This subcommittee straight up calls out the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They're saying the earliest calls for assistance were located near Wuhan Institute of Virology's original campus in central Wuhan. So they're saying it was most likely an infected researcher that got all fucked up in the lab, went outside, and then spread this shit all over the world. Which I kind of find it hard to believe because there was military games going on in Wuhan before that, and a bunch of U.S. soldiers came down with symptoms very similar to what Kaboba was back in the day. So I'm like kind of leaning more towards this was an intentional release. This thing is obviously a fucking biological weapon since they modified it through gain-of-function research. Now, you guys know about all this shit. I've fucking been screaming from the rooftops for two years about Peter Daszak, Echo Health Alliance, Anthony Fauci funding these motherfuckers, and then doing it in China. Let's give these fucking Chinese researchers some deadly fucking technology. Get the fuck out of here. You guys remember the name Xi Zingai? She was a senior coronavirus research that disclosed in 2018 through 2020, her team infected civets and humanized mice that expressed a human ACE2 receptors with chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses. The results of these experiments have never been published, you guys. They go on to list all the problems with this fucked up lab, like bad training, bad management. There's even a July 2019 report that is saying there is a shortage of biosafety equipment and it is impacting the research. Now they kind of close up this report with this fun little tidbit. Based on the analysis of the publicly available information, it appears reasonable to conclude that the COVID-19 pandemic was more than likely not the result of a research-related incident. New information made publicly available and independently verifiable could change this assessment. 
However, the hypothesis of the natural zoonotic origin no longer deserves the benefit of doubt or the presumption of accuracy. So yeah, just basically, Fauci, you're a fucking liar. You just got called up by a Senate subcommittee. And guess what? I'm sure he's never going to be prosecuted for anything. But yeah, let's move the fuck on to Dr. Peter McCullough. So you guys, I'm sure you've heard about him. He is a frontline doctor. He's been treating thousands of COVID patients. He is or was a board certified cardiac surgeon. And, you know, he had a billion different types of certifications. But all of that got changed the other day. Check this bullshit out. So as of yesterday on Dr. Peter McCullough's subtract, he wrote, Six months ago, Dr. Peter McCullough received a letter dated May 26, 2022 from Richard J. Barron, MD, who is the president and CEO of the American Board of Internal Medicine. The letter was a formal notice that the ABIM was considering potential disciplinary sanctions of Dr. McCullough. Dr. Barron stated, The ABIM has learned that you have a numerous, widely reported and disseminated public statements about the purported dangers or lack of justification for the COVID-19 vaccinations. Now, because of Dr. McCullough's statements, which the board is saying it's misinformation, the board was considering revoking Dr. McCullough's ABIM certification in internal medicine and cardiovascular disease. In a letter dated October 18th, 2022, the ABIM gave Dr. McCullough notice that its credentials and certifications committee had, quote, determined to recommend that your board certifications be revoked. These, the ABIM claims that Dr. McCullough's primary offenses were understating the risk of COVID-19 death for people under the age of 50 and two, overstating the risk of death from COVID-19 vaccinations. Now, this is the same Dr. McCullough who, in the course of his career, has achieved decades of perfect clinical performance, board scores, and hundreds of peer-reviewed publications. His patients, including a growing body of vaccine-injured patients, consistently give him glowing reviews. Now, him and his lawyer are going to obviously try to challenge these determinations, but that's what's happening to doctors. They're just getting stripped of certifications they have worked for for decades, and over some bullshit. We all, well, not we all, a lot of us know at this point, we were lied to by the CDC, we were lied to by Fauci, we are lied to by Biden, and these vaccines are injuring people. Any other time there was a vaccine trial and, you know, say 25 people died, that shit was shut down. We're in the tens of thousands now, if not more. So like I said in the beginning of the episode, I was going to play a clip for you from Dr. James Thorpe who is an obstetrician gynecologist in St. Louis, Missouri, and is affiliated with SSM Health, St. Mary's Hospital in St. Louis. He received his medical degree from Wayne State University School of Medicine and has been in practice for more than 20 years. His specialty is obstetrics and gynecology. He specializes in women's reproductive tract, pregnancy, and childbirth. So just get ready for this shit. He's basically explaining what he has seen over the last couple of years since the fucking clot shot has been released. It's very difficult to listen to, but it's important, you guys, because this is happening to young mothers, older mothers, fetuses. It's, it's insane. So sit back and listen to Dr. James Thorpe explain what he's been seeing these past two years. Miscarriage. 
fetal malformation. Miscarriage is increased by a, a massive number. Fetal malformation, a specific fetal malformation, cystic hygroma, fetal cardiac abnormalities, fetal cardiac arrhythmias, fetal cardiac malformations, fetal cardiac arrest, severe placental problems causing intrauterine growth restriction, severely unable to grow fetuses, a significant increase, and this is all compared with appropriate controls, influenza vaccine. It's way off the charts. The CDC and FDA say that if you have a, a relative risk or um, of two or greater, that's a severe danger signal that should be looked at. Um, ours are way, way beyond that with p-values, some of the p-values into a million. For those of you, your audience, a p-value is the chance of something statistically occurring naturally. So it's very unlikely. Also, we saw fetal death. We saw abnormal fetal organ perfusion abnormalities that we, and many others. We're seeing VAIDS, V-A-I-D-S, vaccine-induced acquired immune deficiency syndrome. I purport, I suspect the cause of that is because of the thymus gland. The thymus gland is under the sternum and it's massive in the fetus. It's very tiny in us, but it's the organ that is responsible for seeding all the T-cell clones. And I suspect that, like, if you look at that uh, Japanese biodistribution data, it also concentrates in the thymus. I think there was a fourfold increase in the thymus, but that's an adult thymus. If you look at a newborn thymus, it's probably more like 120-fold because it's so vascular and lipophilic. That's a seed of your right hand of your immune system. Humoral immunity is really pretty much meaningless, really. I can talk to you guys at length about that. The antibodies are just a surrogate for the pharmaceutical industry to make lots of money. The, the meat is in the right hand of the immune system, cellular immunity. And these children may have lifelong AIDS because of that insult to the thymus in utero. Now, notice he doesn't ever like straight up come out and say, this is 100% from the vaccine. I don't fucking blame him. At this point, there, there's a fucking witch hunt going on for the doctors that are standing up for what's right. And unfortunately, it seems like the field of doctors is full of a bunch of fucking line-towing pussies that are killing their fellow human all so they can make some fucking money. Those are some horrific conditions to see in fetuses, in women that now can no longer get pregnant because they can't literally grow a fetus anymore in their uterus. And like he's saying, these children may have V-AIDS for the rest of their life. We don't know because there's no motherfucking research into it. But yeah, pregnant ladies, run the fuck out and go get this shot. And it's not just the pregnant women. It is actually preventing some women from becoming pregnant. And check this out, you guys. There was a European study that just admitted that the clot shot is causing menstrual changes and heavy menstrual bleeding. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, these women have been talking about this for two years now, and now, just now you get a study on it? So, I don't know, guys. I know this episode has been, like, heavy on the kabobo, heavy on the biological weapon bullshit, but it's what's happening. It's this the fucking reality of it. You can't stick your head in the sand and pretend like this shit isn't happening anymore. Too many people have done that for too long, and that's how we have gotten to the edge of this cliff. I keep hearing people say there's a big crash coming, that 
And best case scenario will be like the depression. Worst case scenario will be a civil war. So like I keep telling you motherfuckers, you better prepare yourselves for some upcoming hard times. All right, guys, that's about it for this week's episode. But before I get out of here, I have to say what's up to my top three downloading states, which is the beautiful Golden State, California, Illinois, and Texas. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you downloading every week. I fucking see you guys, and I appreciate it. As I always say, you guys, if you want information or you have information I should look into, hit me up at vanishingthevalley at gmail.com. Now, moving on to our international listeners. Check this out, you guys. We got the UK. We got Australia, Canada, Denmark, and Ireland. What's up, Denmark? You guys have some great motherfucking musicians, and I am happy they came here. (laughs) So, you guys, that's about it for this week. As I always tell you, be aware, and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.